All right, so you guys are serious. You're telling me the truth. There's a new Call of Duty coming out this weekend. Friday. Right before the Vikings play, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Lock it in. Talk about, a, talk about a charmed season. Like <laughs> you've already gotten to play like all these backup quarterbacks. Now you get Kyler Murray come out, coming off a Call of Duty release. It's amazing. Kevin O'Connell doesn't want to entertain too much about He was asked, uh, Ben brought this up on the last podcast, where um, somebody had asked O'Connell before the bye about his charmed run so far yes. to five and one didn't care for that line of didn't necessarily like it but you were exactly right that they catch kyler murray on a cod weekend wow yeah yeah <laughs> and it's uh yeah on top of the run they've had and the fact that they added to their lead in the nfc north last weekend uh by propping their feet up and watching the packers lose to the commanders in washington not with their starting quarterback but with old vikings friend taylor heineke late night movies yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, what was the movie? Was it The Conjuring? I don't know. Whatever it was, it was. I think that's he, what it he was. He kicked in the window after watching late night movies. That's, yes. That's right. He'd come back oh, to his, his apartment. Friend's, no, it was not his. It was his friend's apartment, which always made me wonder why don't you say, listen, man, I'm the one with the NFL contract. It's your apartment. You got us locked out. You kick in the door. <laughs> Yeah, I always wanted that question answered. Me thinks something else happened. <laughs> oh, that so that's like knuckle push-ups? <laughs> knuckle push-ups. I, I really think that was, yeah, I mean, but we all, I thought we've all thought that for a Bungie long time, cord? that it was yeah. some cover for some some dumb mistake. But that sounded like a dumb mistake regardless, kicking in a door. For those who don't remember, Taylor Heineke, former Vikings backup quarterback, many years ago, but this weekend helped the Vikings basically get a half game in the division by beating Green Bay. Uh, that was in Washington, that game was, but... Boy, the Packers look bad. I don't think the Cardinals have looked that great either. They're three and no. four coming into U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, where the Vikings catch them out of the bye. The Cardinals have a mini bye coming off a Thursday night game the week before. Um, I don't know if that's going to matter too much because this Cardinals team has been so up and down. They get DeAndre Hopkins back, which certainly helps. They trade for Robbie Anderson because uh, their top receiver, Marquise uh, uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown, goes down uh, with a foot injury. So it's just up and down. How many receivers have they traded for in the last two or three years? A lot, years? a lot. Yeah, quite a few, quite a yeah. few. Because they acquired Hopkins a few years ago. Brown would have been a trade, right? That's right. Uh, draft night, right? Yeah. First round pick, I yeah. think they sent for him. Um, but he's already hurt and out. And so Kyler Murray just hasn't had a whole lot of help around him with these pieces interchanging. Uh, but even though this Vikings defense has been up and down, I have a hard time seeing them. Uh, blowing this game, even on offense. Let's talk about the Vikings offense, first of all, though, too, because we've got a Vikings team coming off a pretty rough game that they win in Miami, but they have 10-3 announces. We talked about the offense, the passing game, really going away in that one. Um, is this a matter, do you guys think, of just one tough game in Miami? Because if you look at the stats outside of Philadelphia and Miami, the passing game has been somewhat productive. But if you look at it overall, too, they haven't had many big plays like they've had in the past. I saw you retweet, uh, Mike, on, on, on Twitter, some stat about how their uh, rollout game, play-action game has been down. They haven't had the deep passes uh, out of there. We certainly didn't see them in Miami last Sunday or two I Sundays. Think they, I think they had, a lot, they had a lot to sort out over the bye week, and I'd be interested, interested to see what they say this week about kind of what they worked on or, or what they've wanted to focus on and cleaning up and – I'll be interested to see what what changes or what tweaks they might have made to the offense, or if if anything has gotten more fluid looking. Because you know we've talked about this, like Kirk Cousins statistically is still 
having his worst season as a Viking, he's having his worst season probably as a starter in a lot of different ways. If you look at yards per attempt, yards, you know, all these different metrics except for wins and losses, which we've people have been begging him to win games. So that's that's good that he's winning games, but from a from a productivity standpoint, he still doesn't look like he's entirely comfortable in this offense. So it's still this question with this team like how much better are they going to get versus kind of you know, they've gotten to this point, gotten to five and one without playing their best. The offense has to get better at some point for them to to get to to sustain that, I would think. But but how much better is it going to get this season? Yeah, and I, I wonder that. I mean, in terms of feeling out that offense, and the, the we've talked about the comfort of Kirk and O'Connell together for a long time since the off season, and we've seen just kind of the ebbs and flows of it. And I I guess the same question, but do you think it was just a bad game in Miami coming coming off that? Well, yeah. I mean, I I think they. They had trouble adjusting to some of the things that they saw. I mean, the Dolphin and Kevin O'Connell talked about the Dolphins staying in base to the degree that they did, and they put a lot more eight-man boxes in front of Dalvin Cook than we've seen for a lot of the year. I, I think that is not something we've seen teams do quite as much, and teams just don't do it as much in general. You see more teams doing kind of what the Vikings do with the light boxes, but I think it took them a while to figure that out. I think they just. Yeah, I think they had trouble kind of finding a groove and, and being able to sustain drives, which means you don't get as far into your playbook and you're not able to hit as on hit on as many things. I mean, frankly, I wrote about it before the bye, but the fact that they cashed in on their two red zone drives, which has been a problem early in the year, was awfully important in that game because they only really made two trips in there. Other than the one at the end of the half, I guess you don't really count as a full drive, but they only made two trips into the red zone the whole day when they were in their normal offense and they scored touchdowns on both of those, which was really important because they just didn't get a lot going the rest of the day. I, I still think finding receivers other than Justin Jefferson to consistently get separation is a big question with this group. And is that going to happen without a move? I, I don't know. Can O'Connell scheme some of it? How comfortable is he as a play caller? I you know you're not going to really ever get a full sense of that and he's not he talked about it before the buy that he's still kind of trying to feel some things out but um you know I I think in a general sense that the easiest thing to do is find another receiver whether that's a receiver or a tight end that can give you another option are you surprised I mean I I've been surprised that we haven't seen KJ Osborne used deep the way that we've seen him used in the past and last time they played the Cardinals it was like a 65 yard touchdown on a go route right out of the gate yeah, yeah, the, the like the second or third play of the game. Yeah, there's that, and we, we saw the corner route earlier this year. We saw the one that he caught in Carolina last year. So you have seen times where he can get downfield, and they haven't done that as much in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they, they had some trouble, I guess, with that front at times in that game too. But Cousins overall, the protection numbers have been pretty decent, at least in terms of what he's had in Minnesota it's he's not getting pressured 40% of the time. It's I think right around 29-30%, which is you know kind of par for the course these days I think, but I yeah, I'm a little surprised they haven't gotten Osborne more involved. I I think we talked about it before the year who was going to have more receiving yards, Osborne or Thielen, and it's probably still an open question, but not necessarily because either of them has done anything to kind of run away with any any piece of that question no we really haven't seen either of them become you know you just Jefferson has this huge games obviously but we haven't seen uh, necessarily Thielen or Osborne become that reliable number two putting up numbers Jefferson's got 46 catches on the year Thielen has 29 Osborne has 19 
just one more than Irv Smith. So it's, it's pretty even once you get behind Justin Jefferson in that pecking order. And I wonder if they can find ways to get more out of those secondary guys to help this passing game. Is there anybody else that's just like not playing at all yet? I mean, I'm just wondering about wide receiver depth in general. Is there anybody who showed in the preseason? Because otherwise I think... I thought you meant on the market. Like I, I can think of one in the market that has some experience with Kevin O'Connell and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, well, there's that. There's also a uh, former Gopher who just got cut in yeah. Tampa Bay. That would be an interesting, um, interesting Tyler easy, Johnson easy pick up there. But I, yeah. I think with unless there's somebody else on the roster right now, it does feel like they are an offensive playmaker short, maybe, which is weird because you know the last five, six, how many years it's been ever since Stefan Diggs emerged and, and Adam Thielen emerged. Like there's been two very good receivers here and I'm not saying Adam Adam Thielen's not a very good receiver still but the separation numbers aren't there right now this season to the point where you wonder like who else is going to make a play if it's not KJ Osborne if it's not Irv Smith if it's not Adam Thielen like do they need one more guy or does it become Dalvin Cook would be the other question Do, do you have to I hope this plays big in northern Kentucky establish the run to try to get some of these teams out of the two high shells maybe a little bit more often I, you know the the idea of establish the run I, I think is a bit of a misnomer anyway but doing it effectively enough to have it as a counter punch I think is is probably how you how maybe it needs to be incorporated a little bit more you gotta execute it too you can't be in second and eight third What's and the seven like second and like the ru- establishing the run sounds great until you have two bad runs and you're yeah. third and long all of a yeah, sudden yeah establishing happened- it which happened in the Zimmer era quite frequently. Yes, establishing it often means we're trading early drives for this idea that there's a cumulative effect. Attrition, I believe, as Kevin O'Connell talked about uh, before the Dalvin Cook run, that there's a cumulative effect later in the game that pays off in bigger runs. That has been that idea has been disputed in the analytics community for some time. That this has kind of this you know body blow after body blow effect. Uh, I just wonder in terms of having it stick with the boxing analogy here, having it as a counterpunch. If you're going to keep two high safeties up there all the time, can the Vikings get to a point where they run the ball a little bit more effectively and consistently to get people out of those shells and maybe hit Justin Jefferson out of some of those? If the trade-off is 10 three-and-outs, uh, count me out. Well, they did that anyway. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If, the tra- if if in the process of whatever they're trying to do, they get 10 three-and-outs, then count me out. Yeah. And we, we saw, though, we just mentioned in Miami, they saw a lot more of an aggressive front. The, the defense kind of came up on them. They were playing maybe a little bit more single high on some early downs, but they still couldn't take advantage of it. And O'Connell said after the game that they wanted to be conservative in this trip to Miami against that defense, knowing that they were going to try and gamble, jump routes, create turnovers. Yeah. And we talked uh, uh, last week about how O'Connell went down there in 2020, and he brought up how I've been here before and lost when we tried to be aggressive with, with Jared Goff. And so I do wonder if they're going to not be so uh, conservative on offense this time around against a Cardinals defense that is also pretty aggressive. They blitz pretty frequently. They like to play downhill in terms of really jumping on play action throws. They've been susceptible to play action passes down the field. They miss a lot of tackles. They give up a lot of yards after the catch. Um, there's reasons why they're three and four. And I, and I wonder if this is a game where O'Connell might, you know, unleash Kirk a little bit more. Cause it seemed like it was really kind of limited in Miami. And if you look at the numbers as intended, they call like the air intended yards. air yards. Yes. yes. It's as shallow as Matt Ryan who just yep. got benched. Yes. <laughs> it's incredible to see yep. that. So I just wonder and if that's with the Jefferson throw kind of bringing some of that up. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So in, in, I guess O'Connell countered last week by saying, well, you can create explosive plays without throwing deep down the field. Well, sure. But you also need to soften up 
the front sometimes, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you bring up the Dalvin Cook stuff of him running into a wall sometimes. And I think some of those deep shots can help because if you're only worried about playing over the top of Justin Jefferson, you know, that becomes a little easier to do over his side of the field if you're not at least throwing deep to KJ or, or Irv Smith or some of these other guys. So Yeah, Irv Smith probably becoming a thing would would help. Would help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and we've been, you know, people have been talking about that for three, four years now, right? When was he a rookie? 19? 2019. He's a free agent after this year. So, I mean, it's it's been like, you know, you're kind of waiting on that. They have, you know, anytime he goes down, they don't really seem like they have a, a viable alternative at tight end, at least, at least since they got rid of Kyle Rudolph or when he started to become more of a, a blocking tight end. Like, they're just... I think I just think they're a playmaker short unless they're unless like you know, like Ben said they're going to try to use Dalvin Cook differently if they're going to unleash um, Nwangu I don't know what they're going to do but uh, that's interesting unleash Nwangu there you go I mean you know you have guys that haven't carved out roles and maybe that's because you just don't feel like the fit in the offense is there or right the, or the, the ability to kind of pick up on the things that they need to do for it to be there maybe that's not quite where they want it but. That would be a guy that you know we've seen when he touches the ball can can do some things and um, yeah for for different reasons that hasn't quite materialized now with two coaching staffs. Yeah, are you guys surprised by that? I figured this staff might be a little more open to incorporating. We saw like Jalen Rager get a little bit involved in the Philly game, yeah. but not yep. much since. And Wong hasn't been involved at all on offense. And I wonder if that's like a behind the scenes thing in terms of just. Not you know, not having all the playbook. Done. He's a smart guy, yeah. so I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm not sure I've what the that. Issue is. I've the, the point you're getting at there. I've I've wondered that as well. Because um, like, why would you not at least trust him for some of these plays when Jalen Rager shows up a week before the season and you see him getting touches? Even right like away. a gadget, even gadget plays like something where you it's maybe kind of obvious that he might get the ball, but still like he's hard to bring down. He's he's elusive in space, so you you take your chance. You say go make a play. Yeah, I mean it. You you know when O'Connell talks about you don't need to go downfield to be explosive. Those are the types of people that should be able to make you right in that hypothesis. It does not sound like we're talking about a five and one team, two games. Well, no, the it doesn't. That's division. the funny thing. It sure doesn't. <laughs> it's because, aside from the record, there hasn't been a lot to love about this team. There's been some things to like, um, especially the way they play in the fourth quarter. But you just look at all the like, you look at all the advanced stats. Like they're pretty average right now, except for their record. The thing they have done well, and I, I wrote about this a little bit earlier in the week. You know, when they talk about winning on the margins, they are not getting penalized all the time like they were last year. I mean, that was a big theme early in the season last year with especially the offensive line. That gave, the first game in Cincinnati, they gave, they got themselves in a lot of trouble with offensive line penalties. They haven't turned the ball over that much. I mean, Cousins has thrown more picks, but we haven't seen as much fumbling from Cousins as we've seen in the past at times. Um, they have created some turnovers, which – Ed Donatello is going to emphasize probably more than Mike Zimmer. And they haven't gotten torched to the degree that – I mean, they had some tough moments in Miami, but that's an awfully talented receiver group. They haven't overall gotten torched to the degree that I worried they would and, you know, also haven't played a lot of great quarterbacks. But they've done enough things to not beat themselves, which is really funny because – the Zimmer teams, he would always talk about, hey, this isn't that complicated. Just don't beat yourself and you'll be fine. This team has done a better job of not beating itself. And the special teams, I think, has also made a big difference. Uh, field position, big plays on special teams, Turn stopping fake punts. Teams, yes, yeah. yeah, all that stuff has been better 
than it was in the last couple of years under Zimmer, which I think has also helped. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm winning in the margins, as you've talked about. They've they've done the little things, certainly. And I was just going through trying to remember how many coverage busts they've had. And outside of the Quez Watkins one in week two, yeah, you can't think many. of many. No, you really can't. There's been times where you've seen a missed tackle here or there, a guy catches and runs for 30 yards, but none of these should have had one against the Packers. Uh, yeah. Watson bailed them right. out. Oh, yeah, that's no right. double move against Peterson. Could have been a 75 yard touchdown right out of the gate. But since those week one, two little errors that we're talking about. It's week eight. Bench him, Aaron Rodgers says. It's th- it's through it's through week six, and they're ha- you know coming off a Miami game where you can lose guys in coverage pretty quickly. Um, they have at least done that somewhat well, even if they give up 400 yards in the process. Uh, they have not given up a whole lot of points. So the Vikings winning essentially without playing too. You look around the division over the uh, weekend. Packers lose. The Bears do win. Yep. So the Bears look pretty good. That's a good too. transition to our mailbag too, where we're talking about looking around and talking about the the uh, conference and the division. We had one question somebody asked: Are are the Packers or the Bears a bigger issue for the Vikings <laughs> going forward? Um, it's I don't know how legitimate of a question it is, but man, is that Packers team broken? Yeah, it's boy, what a mess. I mean, it it's. You know, you, every week they've gone through. They lose to the Giants in London. You think, well, they're certainly not going to lose to the Jets at home. They're certainly not going to lose to the Commanders with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. And it's just like, how much lower can they sink? And oh, by the way, Sunday night they go to Buffalo. So it is entirely possible. Which might be the best thing for him, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, said. maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe Aaron. Sure. Gasoline's best what are for we, sure. What are we doing? Gasoline's best what for, are we doing? for someone who's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, but let's say it's not the best thing for them. Yeah. Just hypothetically uh-huh. speaking, that playing the best team in the NFL on the road on Sunday night doesn't go well, and the Vikings win three and a half games plus tiebreakers, um, possibly available to them Sunday night. And you know that question too. If you're three and a half up in the division, do you say we're going to go for it and at try to make a move line. at the yeah. trade deadline? And the Bears play the Cowboys, and the Lions play the Dolphins. So oh the division boy. could go zero and three if the Vi- and the Vikings could win and, and basically gain another game on the entire division. I'm not putting the Vikings into the win column yet, though, because they Kyler Murray can do things against them that you know. Different quarterback than Jalen Hurts in terms of how powerful he runs. Call of Duty Weekend. Call of Duty I know, Call of Duty Weekend. All that said, like he's the kind of quarterback that could really do some damage against them just because I don't think they're particularly fast on the edges at times. He could he could really give them some problems. You're right, he could. And DeAndre Hopkins is still pretty good. Catches ten passes for hundred plus yards in his first game back from a six game suspension. That helps him. Um, that's probably the best receiver Kyler has ever had. And so to get him back right before the Vikings game. Uh, that's the one little bit of bad luck the Vikings might have had going into the game. We'll see if that good yeah, luck. That offense has some twitch to it, that's for sure. <laughs> Mike got it. I got it. Wait, what am I missing? Oh, Twitch. God, I should know Video that. Games. Wow, how did I? You're the youngest I one know, here. I know. You should did, know it. How did I miss it's that? Mostly so from old. coaching teenagers is the only reason I know these things. How did I miss that? I don't even know. Um, all right, well, let's get to some questions here for the next 15 minutes. Beef Brewski wants to know, given the Vikings have a very real chance to make the postseason, how do you see Kwesi approaching the roster moving ahead? Is he the sort of guy who would compromise future cap space to make a move right now? Assuming going to have to yeah, if they're going to make a move, Assuming right? he's alluding to the trade deadline coming up November 1st? Yeah, yeah Tuesday. Um, that, yeah, the Vikings, as you 
talked about last week, Ben, they don't have any money, so they'd have to. No, no space. space. No space. <laughs> Do you see Quasey, though, as being that kind of guy? Uh, is there, I guess it goes back to the question, of is there a hole big enough to necessitate mortgaging your future to fill right now? Well, I don't even know you'd have to mortgage it that much. I mean, the, the obvious thing to do, as I raised last week, and um, I think it's been brought up a few other times since then, is Brian O'Neill, if you convert his salary into a signing bonus, it's only like 4 or $5 million this year, which is enough to work with in half of a season. To get a pro-rated contract. You're pro-rated contract, contracts, yeah. yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. And it's a guy that's going to be here. I, I don't think anybody thinks Brian O'Neill is going anywhere, and he, it pushes like a million dollars, or it's like eight hundred something thousand dollars into each of the next four seasons. It's it's not a it's not a problem to do it. You could look at something. I, the other possibility I mentioned was Dalvin Tomlinson throwing you know because he's got void years coming up anyway. If you did an extension with him, given how good he's been, and given the fact he's still only twenty eight, if you did something sensible. You can turn those void years into just annual signing bonus hits, and that basically would clear some room as well. The easier one to do, because it's a stroke of a pen, is Brian O'Neill. Um, I, I think you could do it, especially with the prorated contracts. It gives you some room where you're not really mortgaging the future in any kind of crazy way. I don't think philosophically Quasi is going to do a ton to mortgage the future. I mean, as he's kind of talked about, you want to be competitive now and you want to be competitive later. And as he said in the USA Today story, uh, you don't want to go full Rams. And he's kind of walked that back since then. But the, the point remains that the push all the chips into the middle thing is probably not how they're going to go. And I, I think just... When you see analytically inclined general managers in baseball, a lot of times what you'll hear them talk about, and I remember Theo Epstein saying this all the time, my job is to give my team a chance in the playoffs as many times as possible. And there's randomness in the playoffs and short series in baseball, certainly randomness in one-and-done situations in football. The idea being if you have a chance to go every year at some point, the randomness is going to go your way, and you're going to go all the way and win it. Um, Vikings fans would say, oh, really? <laughs> yes. 60-plus years of yeah. history would we suggest have a, otherwise. a decent sample size of being in the playoffs and not having it go your way. But perhaps that means that the the uh, deck is stacked enough that it's time to, to double down and hit and say this is our chance. You could argue that, but I, I don't think he is going to – look at it that way necessarily. I think the thing that works for them is you don't have to mortgage anything to probably get enough to do something. I, I look forward to asking Quasey about that sometime in 2023. <laughs> and Quasey's yeah. first friends in the uh, in the sports industries were baseball people, obviously, getting yeah. into analytics, going to Sloan conferences, meeting those kinds of people because there were no football <laughs> analytics people, yeah. really. NBA people probably, um, too, I suppose. Yeah, a little, yeah. He's mentioned... Uh, the GM of the 76ers. Oh, Hinky, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, former, former GM. GM. Yeah. <laughs> um, trust the process. So they always Until talk ben about Simmons gets involved. process over results here with the Vikings. So I, I would be inclined to, yeah, go with what you're saying because it makes sense that they would look at this as say, a guy who says don't go full Rams means don't trade your everything just to go in on one or two years with a veteran <laughs> He's quarterback. He's not going to be wearing shirts that say F them picks. <laughs> he is absolutely no, not. No, he would like the picks. 
So I don't know. And I just don't see a hole that really necessitates feeling like that because I do think the, they can find ways to use their playmakers differently uh, and get things done on offense and move the ball more, uh, at least score more points than they have been. Uh, I still like to see him at a receiver. Uh, the Odell thing is interesting, but it also perhaps brings its own questions. Like, how does he mesh with the whole thing? Yeah. Eric asks, what do you make of Irv Smith? He's still young, plenty of upside. It seems quick to judge his career, but in today's Perform Now NFL, the window seems at least smaller for the Vikings to wait and see on him. And, yeah, I would have to agree. And you guys are shaking your heads. It doesn't seem like it was too quick for Irv. In terms that, of you, you know who's judging his career right now? The people that make decisions in this building because they have to decide in the next five months if they're going to give him a contract. Like, this is year four. He will be a free agent in March. So it's not too early to judge it. Maybe it's not been fair because he's been injured, yes. But that's part of the judgment is, hey, if you haven't been on the field, yes, that's somewhat unfair because there's randomness with injuries as well. But if you're someone who's susceptible to them and you kind of get that rap on you, you haven't had an opportunity to go prove it. So, yeah, they're certainly judging it. If you're still trading on potential mainly in year four, that's not a good sign. Like I know he's done some things to warrant thinking that there's more consistency to come, but it just hasn't been there on a regular basis. And the flashes aren't like Antonio Gates flashes. I mean, like just, whoa, did you see what this guy just did kind of things. It's like, oh, that's some nice moments. Yeah, we really haven't seen um, – I mean, he had an okay training camp, but really it was last year when he looked really comfortable in that kind of linchpin role of a, of a – blocking and receiving tight end in the Kubiak scheme where he can leak out underneath, catch and run in some open spaces, but they just haven't trusted him as a blocker. And we, we got another question from somebody just saying, well, what are they doing with him? And, you know, he's, he's only in obvious passing downs. He's, he's not starting games. He's switching out with a blocking tight end. It's because they don't trust him in blocking yeah. situations. And even though they put him in there for a few times, you know, he gets blown up half the time, and, and it kind of validates their decision to go with Johnny Munt and what they've been doing. Well, and the concepts, too, that you sometimes see in this offense, you saw Cooper Cup do it a lot from those tight splits. The idea there is, okay, and, and you see them use tight splits with receivers a lot, too. The idea being, oh, they're in tight splits enough and they block during run plays that we can – the hope is that the defense forgets about them. In Cooper Cup, you see all the time where he'll block and then leak out. He killed the Vikings with this in 2018. That play was a big part of that game. I think his long touchdown was basically one of those leak concepts – you should be able to do that with Irv Smith to some degree as well, and uh, it just hasn't happened, in part because he isn't blocking well enough to trust it. In part because, right, I mean, we talked about Cousins not having great numbers on the rollout game this year. It's because a lot of time he's throwing to Johnny Munt on those rollouts, and they go for half a yard. Yeah, that's dropped. I call half a yard a I call half a yard a month. That's my new <laughs> wow. unit of measurement. Or they get dropped, like they did on third and one against, was it the— Saints? Yeah, yeah, that's right. All they needed was a month. All they needed was, was a month. Um, all right, we got another question here from our guy, Neil. Ben's guy, Neil, over in London, wants to know, is Brian O'Neill O'Neil more being more regularly greeted in the corridor? Corridor, great British word. Yes, I love, I love it. Wonderful. How much has that contributed to the Vikings' start? Uh, first of all, great to hear from you, Neil. Neil and I hung out in London, went to the West Ham football, not soccer match, uh, went to the West Ham football match and uh, got a little bit before and after. So uh, fun to fun to get to know Neil IRL, as the kids say. Um, man, I got all sorts of teenager yeah, lingo today. Twitch IRL, yep. man. Yep, man. Um, 
is is it is kind of yes. My kids have started to say that. My my ten year old has started to say "sus" a lot. She hears it from the kids in her in her fifth grade class. So we're getting to that point where like you'll get a little bit of it. My from cultural the relevance dad comes from osmosis. my third grader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's I, I I get it from the kids I coach and then from my fifth graders. So this you know it's enough to work with. Anyway, no one cares about this. Uh, Brian O'Neill is Brian O'Neill getting enough love in the building? Is he getting hugged more? Is that why he's playing this better? Is a- it's a metaphor, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The, good, the, good the culture feeling, has been good. The good yeah. feeling the culture probably does have something to do with five and one. I don't know what, but it probably has something to do with it. I think that's probably right. I mean, you know, we've kind of all had our fun with the idea, but... we've Well, Patrick Peterson talked about it. He said we we're yeah. playing looser in those la- before end of half, end of game situations, and you're seeing Cam Dancer get a takeaway instead of getting beat deep. I don't know if that's... I'm not saying I don't know if Cam Dancer's thinking in the moment, Mike Zimmer's going to yell at me, I need to make this play, but clearly these guys are more comfortable. I have had that conversation with players in the locker room about players like Cam Dantzler, where it's, that's exactly it. I'm not worried about am I going to get screamed at the second I go back to the sideline or the famous Zimmer hook, as yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, often yeah. talked about. I'm not worried about those things, so right. I can go play. I forgot that Mike Zimmer would like just yank a guy. J. Ron Curse's first start in Chicago, like 2016, Jordan Howard goes for like 70 yards because J. Ron took a bad angle. Just a bad angle and run support, albeit led to a huge play. Yeah. Dude didn't play the rest of the game. Yeah. It was his first start, and now J. Ron has been like a decent player for one of the best defenses in Dallas. We did. We <laughs> never saw George Iloka again. No, we didn't. Yeah. Because of one of those things. And he was one of Zimmer's guys. Yes. Yeah. He brought him in. He got the Zimmer hook. He was banished forever. Taysom Hill beat him deep because he thought it's Taysom. It's going to be a run. He runs yep. up. Michael Thomas beats him deep over the middle. And before you know it, it really wasn't. And I tried to ask him about it weeks after, like, what happened on that play? What, what's Confirming going on? Confirming he was never seen again because he was benched, not from Warner Ferry. And George, George looks at me and, like, just pauses for, like, five seconds, doesn't say a word, and just goes, that's all I got for you. I'm like, you're not going to tell me a thing? Like, what happened? Why won't you talk about what's going on? Said everything you needed he's to like, know. He's like, I'm not talking about it. I was like, on the record, off the record, not talking about it. And I'm like, wow, okay. That, the and silence that did, is definitely there. That, like, ended his career. Like, he yeah. showed up, I think, on a team later on but didn't play, and, like, no one gave him a shot after that. That was the last film of his career and no kidding it would it would go down like that um all right we got a few yeah, so yes I, I do think it matters to some degree uh at least so far it has and, and i think you've seen some of the younger players especially respond to that a little bit differently we've got a couple more minutes before we got to run um let's get to one more question here i'm trying to find a good one so frank wants to know let's address the problem with adam thielen's decline i guess just flatly i'll ask is adam thielen in decline the way it, it might appear. I think Adam's, Adam Thielen's role has shifted to reflect the fact that he's probably not the downfield threat he was and that Justin Jefferson is indisputably the best option they've had. I mean, Stefan Diggs is awfully good too, but I, I think Jefferson doing what he's doing is probably Jefferson's the whole package. at a higher level yeah. than, than Diggs did, at least when he was here. Um, yeah, in terms of a downfield option yeah you just don't see it the same way anymore and maybe that's because they don't think of him that way and maybe it's because they've seen enough to think he can't do it but uh, I, I think his role certainly has shifted to something less than it was or something different something less vertical than it was uh 2016 2017 2018 or so and we haven't seen him in the red zone even as much though too which has been a little surprising call one against the dolphins but um, oh that's there. right i forgot about that one yeah, so he, I guess lately he has. So maybe they'll start going that way a little more. 
Yeah, but that's that's kind of the part of the whole conversation we're having. Like if Adam Thielen was the Adam Thielen we remembered from two, three years ago, like maybe they do have enough playmakers. I think it's it's fair to wonder if whatever decline there is, and he's still a productive player, whatever decline there is might be contributing to the fact that they just don't – they're like one playmaker short. Because if you think about it, they've really since – I think 16 was kind of the breakout for him. And really, they've had two good receivers – Every year since then, it was Thielen and Diggs from 2016 to 2019. Then it's Thielen and Jefferson. And, you know, last year, still a lot of that. Thielen, probably not quite the vertical threat, but also, you know, fantastic in the red zone, all those touchdowns. They have had a couple of good receivers at all of those times, and especially with Cousins, who's not typically the I'm going to hit 10 different guys in a game type guy. It has mattered to have really good playmakers there. And yeah, now maybe you're you're hurting a little bit because it's kind of one and a half great playmakers at receiver, not two. We'll see if uh, anything we said holds up through Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. That's where we'll talk to you next from U.S. Bank Stadium. Please check out startribune.com for all of our work. And surely after Adam Thielen and KJ catch 80-yard touchdowns. Oh, yeah. They're going to make us look terrible. Practically made it guaranteed. And do what my, my wife tries to tell me sometimes and say less, so I'll say less.